Welcome to this bonus episode of the Limitation is Amrise podcast. On this episode, I have Elle from Polar Size. Elle was one of the first people to do pole in Ireland and had opened up about seven studios and trained people from all over the country. She's competed in different events, different sports, and has traveled the world either competing or judging. And even last year, around about October, she got me up to compare the world championships of pole dancing in Belfast. So what she's done is for the industry has been incredible. And just just in this episode, we talk about how she got there and we go on a different, a few different journeys about um, challenges that she set for herself to compete in, um, challenges that she's just set in general, like climbing a mountain every day for 30 days. And what she thinks she brings to her students whenever her students um, work with her. So I hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to any of us, we're both approachable, so feel free to do that. And thanks again. I'll speak again soon. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Limitationism Rise podcast. Today I am here with Elle from Polar Size. Elle is a polling queen and judge and many other things that we will get into later. But Elle, do you want to give a brief 10, 15 second description for people who don't know who you are? Okay, so for those who don't know me, as Liam introduced, my name is Elle Beckin, which is short for Eleanor. I am a 40-year-old baby lady to um, Seamus and Mary Beckin, and I was brought up and still live in Hilltown, which is a wee village in the foot of the moorings. I am the youngest child of four, two brothers and one sister. Um, I had a pretty good childhood growing up, eventually went on to university in Preston where I studied fire safety and after that I took myself off to Australia with my then boyfriend at the time and uh, I worked there as a working sort of holiday as a traffic controller. Um, so one day on my lunch break I was reading a magazine and I came across an article about pole dancing as a form of fitness and I just was intrigued with this they were kind of always into sport at school I had a bit of camogie in my day and I always just loved PE day I think that was my favorite subject at school and I wished every PE class that they were taking the ropes out and the climbing and the climbing bars so the thought of a pole dance class was just right on my street and it really excited me so I made the phone call went the following week didn't tell anyone I was going. I don't even think I told my boyfriend at the time where I was going to. So I snuck off to it and absolutely fell in love with pole. And the rest is kind of history, really. I had already started my business plan before I left Australia because I knew there was nowhere for me to pole whenever I got home. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I am with that. I opened my first studio in Belfast in 2005, October 2005, so we're a big 15 years old this uh, next month, and I had, I know, 15 years ago, and I had about five or six studios at one point all across the north and the south of Ireland, and about five to seven years ago, I like to say I went into semi-retirement, and I give up most of them, and I now work between the Belfast and Dundalk studios. And in around the same time, I got into Airbnb hosting. So obviously with living in a beautiful part of the Mourns, um, that was a great new side earner for me as well. So I got into that about seven years ago. And yeah, that has took me up to where we are at this present day. And that's who I am. 
Brilliant. Uh, I love your story and the evolution of your story. Uh, one of the things, I didn't know you went to Preston. Preston, did you say? Yes, I have Preston, yeah, over like, I knew you were. Sure. I knew you were slightly posh because you're called Eleanor, but you went to Preston as well, so who, nobody would have yeah. known you were this posh. Uh, one of the things I, I love about your story it. is whenever I talk about how I got into martial arts, people always say, well, what was it that triggered it? And I say, I found a magazine. I read the magazine and that's what did it. And they'd be like, that would never happen. And I'm like, it's, I know people that have done exactly the same. I just love that you told that part of your story that like, yeah. that's all it takes. Just one wee thing for you to go, I, I'm going to try that. It just changed the whole path of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That one thing. Madness. I was going to think that the only connection between what you were going to do, which was fire safety, and what you do is the pole. That's that's well, liter pole, literally yeah. it. <laughs> so you I kept that in session, somewhere. With <laughs> um, you also judge and have competed. So pole is basically taking you all around the world, hasn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, as I say, over the 15 years, definitely in the first... 10 years or have so down quite a lot but when I was running all studios I was constantly on the go I look back now and I don't know how I did it but I was running from one studio to the next running events dancing in events you know I was uh, took workshops in Australia I judged in Argentina most recently I judged in China so yeah I've been very blessed that it has took me all over the world and I've met lots of wonderful people through it too like myself that's that's how we... <laughs> no. When did we first meet anyway? We, we met at, at my first ever competition. Remember, I, I was training under Grania, and yes. I went to a class on Thursday with Grania, and on Sunday she brought me up to the All Ireland. So we're like, This is Liam. How long have you been doing pole? I'm like, Like six I totally hours. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I remember. Grania shouting from the sideline, names of moves, and me looking at her going, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Why do you keep shouting I'm chopper at me? I don't know what that means. I'll get confused about the names of moves. Well, I'd only started, so I only knew about four. Um, but it was the community, like how welcoming you were for me, who was like, I don't think people get how little of a clue I had about any. Like, I didn't know anything about pole dancing. I didn't even. You're bound to get it where a lot of people just misinterpret pole dancing as to do with stripping yeah. or, or things like that, especially in the country yeah. we grew up in. But I didn't even have that. I had literally been in a class once and was like, here I am surrounded by all these people doing madness. And I'm like wearing a pair of shorts, looking like I'm going to the beach. Didn't even shave or tan or anything. Oh, can I have a go on that? Um, so that's what kept me involved. because you were a man. Hmm? Going ahead. I think too because you were a man and then you know it was dominated by females you know and I think just everybody loved to see a guy in the class you know and really really encouraged that yeah I think there was five of us that competed that time uh, I actually yeah. came third to the yeah. I, I remember I can't remember the name of the, the judge one of the judges came to me after and she was like you know if you had just done two or three more moves, you would have won that. And I was like, I don't know any more moves. I did all the moves I know, and that was the end of it. <laughs> that's uh, all I have. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. That got me through the next few competitions, too, those five yeah. or six moves. And then you, and then you end up hosting our competitions. 
Uh, that when was that was September, wasn't it? The last, yeah, last last September, October actually, yeah. Last it's nearly a year. It's nearly a year ago now. That was the world as well. My news feed, my memories news feed is full of the All Ireland's um, memories the past like, week or two. So I'm feeling a wee bit, oh god, that it's not happening this year. But hey ho. That that's your your baby, isn't it? You created the All Ireland's yeah, All Ireland Pole Dance Championship, yeah. And then the goal was to host the Worlds. Um, that kind of had that goal in my head about mm, five years ago, and um, made that happen then last year as well with um, Kev Penny and the team. So yeah, that was good. Yeah. And I got to be a part of that, which again, that that's what I sort of wanted to touch on is the community again, like. Because you were so inviting when I did the competition, I'm not very competitive or anything, but when I did that and you were so inviting and everybody was so nice, I was like, even if I am shit at this, this is something I want to be a part of because just I, I love surrounding myself with people that are goal-driven and like want to help people, and that's what I got from that. So even to go from just being some guy that showed up two days later to standing at like comparing for the worlds was... Um, for me, yeah. for me, a, a great experience. So, how is so how did you how did you create that? So from I just know, start. I, find that, I think it's just you know it's such a, it's a re, it is a real great community, and I think it's because the studios are small and it's personal, you know. And um, you know, if you go into a big commercial gym, you're in a spin class of maybe up to fifty people in it, and you do you get lost, you know, you're like a small fish. But when you come to the studio, you know, we have a maximum of 10 people in the class and it is very personal and the girls and the guys really do form great relationships and friendships that do last forever that I, you know, that I witnessed over the years. So I think probably that's a lot to do, but you would find that in, in, in different sort of disciplines like yoga and things, um, people do sort of tend to, you yeah. know, come together and, you know, they'll go for a coffee afterwards or whatever. So I think maybe that has a lot to do with it well and you know we're, we're a different type of breed and think people that come to both <laughs> pole classes as well you know yeah. we're a wee bit, wee bit ballsy and uh, adventurous and you know that sort of person that we all just stick together i think i think that the crack like it's an irish saying but there's a lot of crack within the classes like there's no there's no serious that's not that's not serious like you that's what I loved about it. You're surrounded by world champions and world competitors and judges, but we would still have a bit of crack and like massive, like for example, on the worlds, you came on and were a glamorous assistant for me doing a magic trick at the worlds. So like, yeah, that, is, am I doing it? Um, no, I'm and, sure. And you would notice that whenever you follow you on social media, you see like, you see all the classes and, and the marketing stuff that has to be done. But then, like, I watch most of it just for the shit that you get up to in the classes or the, the banter between all of the students. So you can really see that the students aren't coming in and thinking, right, I'm going to go do my, or my pole class and then I'm going to go home. They're like, they're coming in to hang out with their friends. They're learning some stuff. They're like, you're taking people from no confidence to standing in front of a stage. So yeah. ha have you a way of, that you think that that's, because of the crack and the and the connection, is that like a goal of yours to get people like out of themselves? So when they come in all timid and shy, and then yeah, like... 
I don't know what it is about pole that does that. Even for me, myself, if you had said to me, uh, like, when did I start the pole? I've been doing it, we opened 2005, I did it two years before that. So if you had said to me in 2002, you're going to be stand up next year or in two years' time in a class full of, you know, 12 girls, sometimes even more whenever we're doing hand parties and teaching the pole, I would have went, not a chance, do you know what I mean? Because I, you know, I was kind of shy, I feel like doing school plays and things like that, you know, um, put myself out there. So, but when I went along to pole, it was something that I was kind of good at. I found it easy, not, not everybody does find it easy, but I found it easy and I was good at it. And that made me feel good about myself and then made me feel confident in myself. So I think that's kind of where the, you know, how people's confidence grow when they come to pole. And they're able to do something like even such as simple as a spin or maybe a headstand, something they thought they could never do before and they achieve that. But then that's yeah. just sort of plants the seed and they, they just start to grow and grow. Stronger and yeah. I think I you sort of have like because of the moves and pull, you have stepping stones where you're like, look, you'll get this and then that. And I know personally, mm -hmm. like even just a Superman, I know how many people hated trying to learn a Superman, and they're like, this isn't gonna happen. And then whenever they get it, you can see the delight. Like I think yeah. when I learned Superman, I did it once and was like, got it. Never did that again. That was horrible. I'm not not it's not not for me. But <laughs> the fact that you you can get all these stepping stones up. And that's why I love being around the community. You just see people growing because yeah, as you know, I do a lot of everybody cheers for you and so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Even Superman like Tom here. My biggest bruise, the biggest bruise I ever got was from a Superman, literally with the size of my hand, because no one really taught me. I was kind of self-taught in the early days, because obviously there was nowhere for me to pull. I had to go back yeah. and forth to England. So I was kind of trying to learn off YouTube. Didn't really know the techniques of Superman and literally just flung myself, you know, pushed me, turned myself around and flung myself back into it. Yeah, give me the biggest brief. But I learned. I learned how to teach right. it right. Learned not to do that. But I, yeah. I, you're sort of the same as me as well. When I started doing the martial arts, it wasn't. YouTube wasn't as big, so there was bits and pieces that you could pick up. So you, you end up learning the hard way by yeah trying and you try so now whenever you teach it's probably what makes you such a good teacher is you've went through the journey the real awkward hard way that you can go to them like trust me i know that if you do this this and this it'll work if you do what you mm -hmm. want to do it's going to be bad for you uh how has pole then just like filtered into the rest of your life so you went from living in australia to come home being a pole instructor do you think that confidence travels further than just the pole class and community do you um, think it like yeah well there was a few years um with the guy that i was doing at the time he set up a gym and i kind of helped him to set it up not financially but put a lot of time into it so um i did practice other disciplines like kettlebells pilates spinning classes you know so i did a lot of that for a good few years and um kind of i would probably admit that my own business sort of fell to the wayside maybe for those two years because it's just taken on too much but um i also fell into um competing in bodybuilding as well so fell you know, into you know, fall into the pole world has opened up a lot of different avenues too so um yeah 
Yeah, and, and give me the confidence to probably stand up on stage in a song and a bra in front of hundreds of people, you know? <laughs> Flexing. But at least you got the flex when you were there. That's oh, the main thing. Oh, <laughs> That's why I wore a jumper so they wouldn't look as small compared to yours. It's funny the way the way you put it is like you fell into these things and you just tried these things, but everything that you've fallen into and tried is incredibly hard and takes a lot of discipline. Like to get on stage, for anyone that doesn't know, you didn't just go on stage in a, in a brand, a thong, and stand like you had to cut weight and like you were a bodybuilder like you're standing on uh, stage like a magazine picture how yeah. did how did it feel doing that um well i did i did fall into so i started competing probably this was 2014 so about 2016 and I literally a man called martin spent he runs nisma so there's mm. in like oh there's lots of different federations so Nifma would kind of be a good sort of stepping stone for people that want to get into bodybuilding. So he came into the pole studio uh, one day to promote his competition. And he looked at me and he said, Elle, you know, you're in great shape. You know, obviously because pole keeps you in great shape. Um, you know, you should go in for it and you have a chance to, to show people what pole is all about. So he had three rounds and the formal round, which I like the idea of to get all dolled up and glammed up. And he had the bikini round and the sports round. And really, I just wanted to enter that competition to show people what pole was. Yeah. So, um, and it was a good enough oil length. It was really two weeks away. And I thought to myself, well, two weeks to sort of maybe you know, lose a few pounds. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. And I entered the competition. And I, I think I came first in the formal round, first in bikini, and maybe second in, in the sports or something like that. So I thought to myself, oh, this is all right. I'm kind of winning things here. So that kind of got me then into wanting to compete again and win the whole thing um, the following year, which I did. And then it got me into maybe going for the bigger federations. And I entered um, UKBFF, I think it was called at the time. But then I got a little bit more serious about it. You know, genetically, I am blessed. You know, I literally have to look at a weight and I will put on muscle mass. So nice. for me, it was the diet. For me, it was the diet and was the hard part. So I did, I kind of then was still sort of, you know, doing my own diet and uh, I dieted for maybe about 10 weeks then, did a little bit of weight training. That was the only weight training I did um, for UKBFF and I won it as well. So then the next step up was NAVA, it was a big one. Again, I did my own diet and training for it. The, the, the boyfriend at the time had his gym, so I did maybe about 12 weeks again in it because I wanted to enter the the bikini round, I never really wanted to get into the real must-be, must-be round. So, um, entered it, no, came second that year, and I actually should have won, now I'm not competitive, but I know I should have won, I should have won. <laughs> so that made me want to go back the following year and win it, but that year I did get proper guidance, nutrition guidance from a guy called Bill Graham, and I won it that year. But yes, a lot of discipline for me, bodybuilding probably was, the biggest challenge that I've done to date, um, mentally anyway, um, because I do like my sweets. I, can I just show you here? I didn't have a wee cup of tea weight done yet. I'm with like three soccer bars here. Um, I live, I live with junk foods. So the social life, there's a lot of sacrifices in bodybuilding. 
you know, you have no social life, or I don't anyway, because my, you know, I don't have great discipline when it comes to that sort of stuff. So I find myself going to birthday parties and literally tormenting myself that I could have a cake or, you know, whatever. You're counting calories all the time. You're maybe, you know, restricting and possibly sometimes overloading certain nutrients and that. So for me, it kind of wasn't an ideal sport to be in and probably the toughest one I've ever said. Yeah. You know, toughest challenge I've done. Getting up on stage was the easy bit for me, but um, standing in the bikini because with the pole and performing and doing pole shows over the years, I had that wee bit of stage confidence and stage presence. I knew how to walk in a pair of heels and things like that. But, this is yeah. important. Hmm? Walking in high heels is important for the bikini <laughs> ride, all the way. <laughs> it is a pole and it is a bodybuilding. Um, you don't want to be walking like a man in heels, sure, across the stage um, when you're being judged. But yeah, so yeah, just, yeah. So that, all of that, again, I find whenever I challenge myself with ridiculous things, once I start to work with my students and clients, whatever they're going through, you can sort of amp, like, you can understand a wee bit where they're coming from because you've done, like when people don't like the calorie count or calorie control and you're like, why well, did, you know, you did 12 weeks of like the most ridiculous version. So it's easier for you to find, find the balance and really connect. So that would be why I would imagine my clients and students get such good results whenever I work with them, because I've been there. I understand what they're, what they're doing. And especially when it comes to challenges, and since you brought up challenges, you do a lot of different, like you've just finished 30 days in a row walking up. Is it the highest peak in Ireland, that mountain that you highest did? in Ireland, yeah, Orange Hill. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you did 30 days. <laughs> you did 30 days in a row though, like. 30 days in a row, yeah. It was COVID, you see, it just sort of drove me a little bit mad and restless and I was like, right, what am I gonna do with myself? And so, Let's climb up the highest mountain in Ireland 30 days in a row. Yeah, sounds like a good plan, you know? <laughs> I, I imagine it was one day you were sitting in the garden and it was lovely and sunny and you thought, I'd love to be up a mountain. I'll do that. And then forgot that <laughs> Ireland doesn't really have that weather. And then, like, I remember, <laughs> no. like, I fo followed the journey. Not literally, like, I didn't walk the mountain, but I followed you on social media. And I just remember thinking, oh, that's about 10 days now. It's She's just been soaked, saying, I'm at the top. You're like, uh, was there a lot of, obviously there was a lot of rain in that, but how did, yeah. what was it that just keeps you going through these things? Like, the, whenever you set a challenge. Know, it's July in Ireland, like, it's sun only shines on the 12th weekend, doesn't it? <laughs> no, Aye. it's July in Ireland. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but the only month I had to do was the working stuff, but... Um, yeah, the challenge thing, setting myself a personal challenges kind of started. Well, I suppose the bodybuilding maybe was the first one. And then uh, five years ago, I climbed Lee's Donner 30 days in a row. And then after that, I did the County High Point Challenge. So that was my first experience of climbing Corn Hill because you had to go around every county in Ireland and it's kind of hard to speak. And on that day, I had a really beautiful day. And then I returned two years later with my nephew. He wanted to climb it, so I brought him up. And again, that day was a really beautiful day. So I just thought the sun always shined in Kerry, you know, or all shone in Kerry. So yeah, down I went and uh, it didn't. Like it rained for me 20 days out of the 30. And um, 
yeah, it was grand. You know what? I don't, I try not to overthink these challenges and just literally get up every day with the likes of Tarantula. That's all I had to do that day was to climb a mountain. You know, I still kind of have my laptop and a wee bit of admin to do in the background, but everything was sorted at home. I didn't have to think about the dog. I didn't really have to think about the studio. We'd only started back on the 10th of July and I had everything in place, ready for, ready to rock there. So all I had to do that day was to climb a mountain regardless of the weather and then doing it for charity kind of holds me accountable as well so that's kind of yeah. the reason why i always attach a charity to these challenges too because there was many the day like i got up and especially after the weekend because i had friends and family down the weekend to come and join me and we're kind of had to entertain them maybe it was a few drinks on the saturday sunday night getting up the next morning having to time the mountain in the rain with a hangover it was not easy but it was for a charity, and it had to be done. And that I, just, I love the way you put it. All I had to do for that day was just climb a mountain. I didn't have anything else to do, just climb a mountain. You're like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's not a normal day for most people. Every day, <laughs> up a mountain. Uh, yeah. I don't do anything for the rest of the year, you know. <laughs> I do these <laughs> don't do anything for the rest of the year. I literally come home and I sat on the sofa from Sunday to Wednesday. So I did. <laughs> I, well, I would say it was well earned. Your... It was, it was, it was well earned, yeah. But, um, yeah, that was carrying to the challenge. I think that's me though. I, I planned on not doing anything this year because it was my 40th. I was supposed to go on a lot of holidays. But like that, when COVID happened and the restrictions from doing anything, restrictions from traveling, we couldn't even, you know, drive to walk up the mountain, I think. And the weather was beautiful throughout uh, last time. And then I think when they let us, um, when they let us go, that's that's where that notion came from. So but your your mind frame is is different from the norm mind frame. Like for lockdown, a lot of people that I, that I noticed just around social media and stuff sort of shut down and they 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 panicked a bit that their normal routine and their normal life was being thrown in disarray, and then did nothing. Just sort of waited like they they just. They're still, some of them are still waiting now, hoping everything goes back to normal. Whereas your brain kicked in and went, well, let's, let's do something. Let's climb a mountain for 30 days or do something. So do, do you think you, you instill that in your students? Do you think your students, when they get around you and just be around that sort of um, challenging, positive mindset, do, do you think that they, they feed off that and start to make challenges for themselves? doesn't have to be mountains it could be wearing heels the class whereas they never would have in the past or shorter shorts or whatever yeah um i like to think that i do you know and that's probably part of the reason why i do these challenges as well because you know you are kind of a role model to all these you know students that are coming to your classes and that so yeah um I, you know i do know for a fact that um, I have inspired people in some ways, you know, especially when I was down in Carnesville, there was a lot of people who down and joined me. They wanted to climb uh, our entire mountain as well. So, um, yeah, but, you know, that comes with their own confidence too and building up on themselves as well. And I've watched girls, you know, over the years grow confidence and, and taking part in showcases and like competition and that as well. So, yeah, I like to think that I 
how have you dealt with, I assume it's, there's been a lot of it, with the negative connotations of what you do in Ireland? So, like, when you mention pole and people go, right <laughs> like that. Is that still a, is that still a topic? Is it still an issue? God. Is it, it still, is that's what I... Do you know, at the start, I used to be really defensive and go, oh, no, 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 how would it be just a sleazy image and it's this and this and this and that. But, you know, I'm so over it now. It's, you know, 15 years in mainstream. It is what it is, you know, it can be sleazy, it can be sexy, it can be artistic, it can be, you know, athletic, you know, everybody has their own style, everybody brings their own style. There's people who are into all sorts, whatever turns them on. If looking at somebody being athletic in a pole turns you on and you think it's sleazy or whatever, well then that's just your sort of perverted mind, you know. Um, yeah. Each to their own, each to their own. It is what I it is. I don't think anyone's watched me in a pool and thought that's very sleazy what that guy's doing. Uh, sexy, maybe. Not just. I don't think I've I've mastered sleazy on the pool yet. Um, but I I just know from whenever I started, people were like, "What? Are you, what? You're doing a you're a pool dancer?" I'm like, "Fuck! I don't know if I'm a pool dancer. I definitely I'm a pool trier. Like I don't know. I remember saying it at the worlds." Like after watching the first few people perform, I said, remember saying to the audience, I lied. I, I said I was a pole dancer, but I definitely was not doing any of this. I don't know what I was doing, but what, like some of the stuff that people, what's happening in, in the, the sport now is just incredible. Like what some of them people were doing at that competition, like I couldn't even do it lying on the floor and they were doing it like way up a pole um, so what's... that's why i that's why i went from competing to judging there's <laughs> no way i can do half that stuff you know yeah it's just incredible what they can do in the pole and a lot of people are coming from gymnastics and bringing it from the vertical bar you know onto the, the horizontal bar so or the other way about yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so and um, yeah have you enjoyed that awesome. have you enjoyed that transition where it's went from like now we we've always said like anybody could do pole and everyone should try it and give it a go but now like anybody you could meet you could probably pick someone to go oh your style would be like theirs or if that's the thing that you're into this is the type of stuff that you do what's it been like to see from the complete inside from the start of ireland having zero like where you had to travel away to do it till like everywhere everywhere in the world has pole now what has that been like for you to see your sport grow yeah it feels uh it feels really amazing and sort of like not like that i've accomplished something because it's not me that's doing all this crazy stuff on the phone but you know i do feel quite proud that you know how far it has come and that i was able to be the first to bring it to ireland and to share this passion and you know the feeling how it made me feel that first class and um, to share that with, with other people. So yeah, um, it's been a great thing to witness indeed. And like you say, everybody has their own style. We even have our own structure here at the studio that are all very different too. And it's great that we can offer, you know, those different styles as well. And age, age group too, you know, I'm, I was 25 when I started, I'm 40 now, you know, and I've got a couple of instructors who are over 40. We've got quite a few over 50 students. 
you know, and just seeing that age, age range, you know, and watching people, you know, who have started with me from day one, go off, have babies, come back as well. Is, um, yeah, that's brilliant. Again, that just uh, stands to you, the fact that people would go away and have their kids and, and live their life for a while and then still go, they, didn't, they know they can just come back to L and, and do pole. It's not going to be an yeah. issue. Like, like, like I know people at different sports and stuff that would come back and their instructors would have been saying to them, like, where, where were you? Or now you're coming crawling back and you're like, what are you? Oh, like, no. The door yeah. always opens. Always opens the corner side. Yeah. <laughs> And there's, there's so much to do. I was trying to think the last time I was up, I think was a contortionist workshop that I don't, again, I didn't know what a contortionist was. Remember it was like a, a girl called Debbie. I think that was Deb Riley, was it? Yes. And uh, I landed and, and I think it was you and Joe. I think it was you that told me about back, it. And then my back hurts even thinking about that. <laughs> contortionist class. <laughs> I, I listened to her warm up and then went over to you and was like, "Yeah, what the fuck am I doing here? I can't even touch my toes. What is that? I didn't. I never even thought to Google contortionist. It's just like must have something to do with pole, bit of stretching. Someone. I think you just told me it was a bit of stretching. Landed and the girl tells has a picture of her inside the box going, "This is part of my act." I'm like, I probably couldn't bend over and lift the box. I watched that day like I do a lot. like again that that for me you meet. Like, I love meeting people who just do anything outside of the norm. So, like, I, I'm always talking about superheroes. I love superheroes. And I was asked recently on a podcast what I what I think makes a superhero. And I was like, it's just someone that does more than the normal average person. So, you're a superhero. I'm a huh. superhero. Most people I try to surround myself with are, are people that do, like, our normal is other people's ridiculous like people go what did you do today and you tell them and they go that's that's mad. Like, even... my friends like one's training to be a pilot the other one's a female firefighter you know they're all just like all the women that i surround myself with are just amazing yeah you know? do you think that comes from being in this sort of industry and you start to notice that the people that, like, I know I've cut off a lot of people over the years that are still doing exactly what they were doing when I started. And I have went way beyond where I even thought I would get. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's important in your life to, ev like, evaluate your surroundings, the people, the relationships, yeah. friends, yeah. everything? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, definitely... Um, negativity is a big thing that you have to learn how to cut out, learn how to recognize it first, you know, in people, in situations, you know, negative vibes, even your own thoughts too, and um, just to, to cut those out as thin as possible. Um, the, the quicker you do that, then the easier and happier your life is. You know, I find that I'm a real sort of an empathetic person, and in the past I would have made a lot of excuses for people and also like would have held on to bad situations maybe in the hope that they would get better, you know, avoiding confrontation and hope that things would just maybe get better or go away and you know, that never really happened. So yeah. uh, I think what I have learned over the years is to just try and recognize those situations and, and cut them out as quick as you can and just surround yourself with positive people and positive things and nice things and you know go outside 
be in be in nature by yourself a nice bunch of flowers you know surround yourself on happy people people are always like supporting you and cheering you on and that's what we have here at Polarside. we've got a bunch of both girls and boys now too so yeah yeah that's what i've learned definitely the older guests the better i am getting at that you know? yeah, I noticed that, that that's a trait with all the people that I interact with and spend my, the most of my time with. That's what, one of the biggest traits that I notice is that they, they've developed a, a comfortability with losing what's not for them. So holding on instead of holding on to a job that they hate because it's a job and it's good money and it's safe, they're like, I'll just get another job somewhere. And get, like I've got rid of clients just by saying to them, we're not a good fit and then they'd be paying decent money and most people would go would you not just keep them anyway because of what they pay and you're like not if it's they can't they can't pay enough for me to bring negativity every so often when that cup just appears in shot if you didn't tell me what that cup that you're drinking out of was i wouldn't even notice it but every so often it just appears in shot everyone's gonna be going back Go to www.normally <laughs> I would tell people what, yeah. what would you like my what would you like the listeners to go to and find and they're like websites and you're like just buy one of these cups. <laughs> people are gonna be pausing it to work out what the cup's about and the people that are just listening yeah, are now gonna our, lim- our limited edition cups are no longer um, you can no longer get your hands on this. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Even that, that's one of the things I think why we connected so well. You do not take yourself for like a businesswoman that had so many businesses and has been in this a long time, really successful. You don't take yourself seriously. There's no ego here. There's no like, <laughs> yeah, even the thought of trying to take yourself seriously. I bet if I asked you, if I was like, we need you to be serious, you'd be like, oh, God, I don't know no. how to. I have to practice being serious, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so like, right, that's just, that's yeah. when you turn into Eleanor, and you're like, oh, "Serious time, right?" I'm Eleanor, and I <laughs> get it going. Uh, so, yeah. do you think that just taking yourself less serious is that, and is that something that you developed through your work, or or as you got older, or has it been something that's always been with you? Oh, I think I've always been like that. You know, I think. I think can't really remember enough of, of what I was like as a kid, and I, I would always I'd love to go back and ask you know, the people I used to hang about with in school. You know what was I like? Was I a wee bitch like? Or was I met or whatever? Um, but no, I think I've always been like this. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe because I'm, I'm I would say my emotional intelligence is a lot greater than my intellectual intelligence, so. I think maybe that's because you know I think I'm not really academic and you know that I think it's sort of serious maybe come to that side I don't know who knows but yeah I think that that would be a great Instagram story for you to put out a question asking who knew me when I was a kid and what was I actually like Just well, that's a good idea that's how I could do that we were going to have a school reunion this year um, and I, I planned on doing it then but yeah I might do it through Instagram that's a good good one yeah. <laughs> the, could, could, the responses could be quite interesting might have to do one myself i remember what i was like i was a wee fucker i had anger <laughs> anger management issues and was just hated school so i, I imagine like no nah, but again 
we were probably, I, I know I was told I wouldn't make it anywhere without like buckling down or pulling my socks up at school, but you were probably told the same sort of thing and look at like what you've managed to achieve off the back of that. So yeah, it sort, it sort yeah. of keeps but going back. It's important, you know, but it is in the beginning all and end all. I mean, I remember failing my, it was 11 plus at the time. And then I think I only got like six C's in my GCSEs, but then I went on to get a, a distinction in my GMQ and I got a first in my degree, but I did have to work hard, you know, um, and, and that realization that I did have to work harder than others, you know, to get the results, um, uh, whether I liked it or not. And I didn't like it because in many of them I wouldn't see myself stuck in the library over in new class. Uh, while all my friends are partying in the union next door. Like, what university has a student union right next door to the library? Like, it's just pure torture. So, um, but yeah, I did that and I didn't really enjoy it, but I ended up getting the results. And then whenever I found school, this was something that there was physical, which was, I was always into sports, loved PE, that was me. And um, yeah, so as I said, education is important. You know, you need to have a wee bit of I think you can learn enough after school like I, I did no study and I didn't even read a book when I was at school like I think the first book I read was George's Marvelous Medicine when I was like 16 and my nieces like read that when she was about six so like I, I was and I've, I have my book beside me I, I wrote I wrote my own book that I'm yes, bringing up because the the picture this picture for the front cover i had to change the front cover because it wasn't people kept questioning me about fighting but this is from the world pool remember oh, I, yeah? you asked me to cover five minutes so i did tai chi and the guy took a nice photo so you i got a cover of the book okay the the original I cover had me like posing like a fighter yes i remember that one yeah yeah so but people kept asking okay. me how much of the book was about fighting and i was like none why do you keep at and then i realized i was like oh i love the cover but it doesn't serve the purpose of people looking at that book and going all about fighting then and like you and i'd be like i just talked for an hour about anxiety why the fuck would i try to sell you a book about fighting (laughs) it makes no sense um so so i think that like like you said like school is very important but am i trying to get across in all of my talks like you just said it's not the be end and end all of you can come out of there and do like incredible things off mm-hmm. the back of that so i've actually been yeah. hired back the school that told me i would never be allowed back in it have hired me back to teach the oh. to, to do talks yeah and to work with the sixth and seventh year so like really you can turn you can turn all of it around once you find something that you're um passionate about yeah uh, which leads me to to a question that i wanted to ask has there anything that you've ever has ever been in like an apparent failure where you thought this is the worst thing ever, but it actually turned out to be great in the end up? No, I don't, I don't think so. As I said, I'm thinking about failures, academic failures, relationship failures, you know, none of them are really that significant. <laughs> I feel it, you know what I mean? But I don't remember me, me feeling really badly in anything more. Uh, P6 spelling test. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, yeah, I remember we used to have a spelling test every Friday at P6. 
and I used to always sit beside a girl called Jane and I would have copied her and it would have been 10 out of 10 every week and then one week Jane got sick. So the fear set in, the fear of panic Jane hadn't turned off but it was all right because I had my cousin there who sat across the desk from me and she was going to help me. So the teacher, she would have given you um, clues as to the word that she wanted you to spell. So my cousin was like mouthing the wrong word to me, the little bitch. So I not only was spelling, spelling it wrong, I got the word completely wrong as well. So I ended up getting like two out of ten and the teacher couldn't understand. Like, oh, what happened to you this week? I think it's pretty obvious what we're doing, you know. Yeah. Just, having, <laughs> just having a really off day. <laughs> Uh, it's weird that you have a spelling. I have a spelling um, story as well. I I used to come in early from break and go into my teacher's desk and write down the words. And then when he told us to spell them, I would mimic my writing because he always read them out in the same order. But eventually he must have found out. He, knew, he probably just knew because I was stupid, but somehow I could spell immaculately. Um so he called the words out in a different order and I didn't obviously pay any attention or no, I was just mimicking right yeah, it was totally good. Uh so obviously it was outed that I was actually yeah. a terrible speller. Uh, they actually tried to send me to special class after that because I was one of them kids then. They were like, I think he needs to go to to go to special no. class. No, <laughs> <laughs> Although my mom was a special needs teacher, but um, she never paid any attention to my needs. <laughs> anyway, we'll not get into that. <laughs> That's a whole other um, kind of session. <laughs> so, when it, whenever you're, whenever you have new students arrive to your class, do you think you're quite good at picking up how they need to be spoke to, how they need to be directed and taught to get the best out of them? Do you think we are good at picking that up as instructors? Uh, do, you think you, do you think you are? No, you personally, from your experience and what you're doing? Oh, yeah, well, you need to be um, pretty approachable, I think, anyway. You know, 15 years experience now, you kind of know what to look out for, or, you know, who the quiet ones are, and not put them in the spot. Um, probably like school as well, you know, the teachers and things sort of need to be aware of, of that. Um, and yeah, you need to be, be just open and approachable and yeah, I think I'm, I'm quite good at identifying and addressing that as all my instructors are and I think that's why I find it hard, very hard to find a whole instructor because not only do you need to have that kind of, those kind of characteristics but you need to be kind of cool, cool too and be able to teach, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think people overlook that whenever you go to teach anything, like even as a martial arts instructor, when people say to me, I want to be a better martial arts instructor, how many hours should I train? And I'd be like, you need to learn about people. You have to be good at what you're doing, but you have to be able to converse with people and transfer that skill. And like, you have to baby them, you have to mother them, you have to like counsel them, give them some therapy. Like there's a lot to it. It's not just a case of come in, there's a pole, I'll show you a move and you can swing around it and then we'll move from there. Like there's a lot that goes on. The disabilities are different and you have to be able to adapt, you know, whether your class structure and things like that, you know. Yeah. I, I used to when I was teaching full time, I would have my class minute by minute prepped 
and then and then every every class that was ended up like right i got seven minutes into that class before i had to change everything that i did and <laughs> no but i always thought it was good to have it as a backup but like yeah. like you never end up going in that um full full no. direction no. uh We've seen some of our pro classes just turn into photo shoots, you know, so <laughs> people just want to get a, you know, a photograph of them in a move and we've gone from the pole onto the wall and it's just, you know. <laughs> so, I must yeah, have missed those classes. That's the, the <laughs> but even at that, like, if you looked at it from just one dimensionally, you'd be thinking, all they did was take a few photos, but the fact that someone that was probably with you a month ago that would never have even wanted to be in front of a camera is now yeah. like full on voguing it. I couldn't think of a pose that I was like, I'll just do a vogue, but uh, full on like <laughs> yeah. take a picture. And not only that, but in their, in their hot pants and their belly tops too, you know, it's great. See, I need to get a pair of hot pants. That's what I'm missing. And heels. Yeah. And heels. So just get I, no. heels on. The heels just, you're, you're like Cinderella once you get those heels on. <laughs> the problem with the heels is that whenever you say heels, for anyone that's never seen pole, we'll just assume, oh, oh like the heels that my mum wears or my sister wears or <laughs> the average person wears. But the stuff that you have are mental. Like they're shoot, like spikes bigger than my head. Like I have yeah. swords need, around oh, me. And, you need to come stabilize or something, don't they? Yeah. Like I... <laughs> My feet are quite big, so I've never got to try any ones, but I've watched people buy them, like put them on for yeah. the first time, and you're like, this is what Bambi must have felt like. I <laughs> just trying try to waddle through. And then and then again you see them about a week or so later wearing the same shoes upside down, swinging around and like running about yeah. the pool, and you're like, What? I yeah. I'm pulling on my bare feet for safety and you're upside down with like spikes bigger <laughs> than my head. So Practically I think it's perfect. You know, whenever COVID came in, we had to put a new um, uh, implement, you know, cleaning and hygiene uh, methods. And one of them was we had to take our shoes off to the door before entering the studios. But you're allowed to wear your pool heels in the studio. <laughs> just not your trainers. <laughs> Is that in the law? I can, I can just imagine Boris saying it. No shoes, but you just can all wear a pole heel. That's fine. That's my <laughs> Boris. I don't listen to him, so it's my um, no. vibe of Boris. Uh, but I think you just need to come up with a different name than heels because they're they're not heels. Like they're they're a, they're their own entity. Like they're they're ridiculous. Stealth. Stealth. They are yeah. like where God, God used to make me stealth when I was younger, and um, so I think that was was good training for me as well. I was always. You know, it's being molded to be a pole dancer from a young age. <laughs> still, I, I never made those. I've, <laughs> I've never made those connections before that stealth walkers would make good pole dancers. That's that's a new market that you could just start to target. Can you still walk? Well, then you could probably do this. Um, one of the things that I, I've been asking a few ones is whenever you feel overwhelmed or unfocused in general, what do you do? Like, do you have out other outlets other than pole or like, I know you go to nature a lot like myself. So yeah. for, for the people watching, what's your like go to, to get yeah. you f away from overwhelm or to refocus you? Definitely the great outdoors, you know, it has to be um, fresh air, 
regulate serotonin levels, you know, and that promotes happiness and well-being. Yeah. You want to get loads of that. And then even the physicality of the activity you're doing. So like whether it's mountain walking, which I do a lot, I do love to get into the forest as well. Cycling, you know, people are in the cold water swimming all night. You know, whatever that is you do, it um, produces endorphins in the brain. Um, and that is a great release and it helps clear the head. And I think just being in nature, you know, just the beauty of nature itself, helps our creative flow and um, it gives us that opportunity to just step away from electronics you know checking your emails whatever crap is in there you have to deal with social media as well and um, we tend to get sort of drawn into other people's lives a little bit too much on social media so definitely my outlet is getting out in the outdoors and i think that's probably why i'm so chilled as well because i spend so much time walking the mountains you know so yeah that's definitely my go-to go-to release that's my one and it's the one i always suggest to people just go out and and, um actively be aware of where you are so don't just go out and just mill about like go out and look at things and look at the rivers and the trees and the and the mountains and whatever and just be there and then like one of the things i i do a morning mobility routine outside of my garden every day and a few of my clients have asked me to record it and post it. So I do that every so often. But whenever they ask me, what, what's the hardest bit of my mobility routine? It's remembering to take my phone and record it. Because I just go out and I do it and I come back and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. I didn't record. Again, I didn't do it. Like it might take me about a week to get one one record. Same as when I go out. When I go out to nature, I just throw the phone in the car and I'll go and do my walk. And if I see something nice that I want to post about yeah, I'll do. I'll do my walk and chill out, and then I'll come back and get my phone and go back. And go so it's like, yeah, I should probably do that. I'm guilty of taking my phone with me. You know, know, but you go far though. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking about walking around the glens. So it's like, in any direction, I'm as the crow flies, I can walk ten minutes and back to my car. I don't care. I wouldn't do that if I was up a mountain. I'd be like uh, I'm gonna come back for that. I'm like, fuck it, I'll be back some <laughs> other day. That'll do. No. So yours is different because you're actually like going, Far you're going away. to places where, yeah, where, where people, like where I go, anyone can go and anyone's capable of going. But like some of the places you're going, like up a mountain, not everybody's capable. So they're seeing shit that they would not see in real life. Whereas mine's like a more lazy version of, I just like, like I could go out, like if I go to the beach, I'll go and walk and bury my feet in the sand and then just stand there. And people are like, do you want to go for yeah. a walk a mile up and down the beach? I'm like, no, I don't I want to be on the beach. I don't need to walk up. And, so I'll just stand buried here and you can. Yeah, I tend to, to do that, practice what you do uh, on a Sunday morning when I'm hungover. You know, my go-to <laughs> place is the Tullymore Forest Park and just, you know, hug the tree. So I've got no one else to hug me. <laughs> <laughs> When I'm hungover, I, I tend to do that a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> There's stories all over Tullamore of the crying lady hugging the trees on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Nobody speaks to her, but she's always there. You always have dogs running about too now. I think when you have two dogs, yeah, I have two always... dogs. Two dogs and a cat. 
But the cat yeah. doesn't go on walks, does it? That would be interesting. Yeah, maybe the cat doesn't go on a walk. No, we, we have tried a couple of few times on occasion, but yeah. <laughs> I think if you start taking the cat for the walk, you're going to become a cat lady. That's going to like yeah, one day it'll yeah. be one, and then we'll see a picture of you and 40 cats. You're like, I just found them. <laughs> and one with one on a lead. Um, Talking of that, you know, in the moment, I think most recently the one thing I did, I have a 40 before 40 list going on. And one of the things I did for it was a pottery class. And I have never felt so in the moment in like years, probably since like I was a kid playing with Lego, you know, and yeah, cool. just doing a pottery class. It was amazing for that. So I would definitely recommend that to anyone. Was it anything like Ghost or whatever that movie? It is Ghost, isn't it, that movie? Like, was it was it as romantic as that? It wasn't, though. Maybe if my instructor uh, last month, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't have my ghost moment. Something you could have just that. sung it yourself. Because it was a ghost, so you could have done it yourself. Just, I know, what did you make? I here at the studio as well. I Are was reminded help? by a ghost one time. We'll, we'll not go into that story. <laughs> do they help you if you go to fall? Do they like catch you and like lower, lower you down gently to the floor? Um, what did you make in the pottery class? I'm curious now. What did you like? Did you make a bowl? Yeah, or what? what did I make? I made a couple of wee um, pots and I made some figurines of ladies in pole poses so there was one doing a cat stretch and there was one on all fours and there was one lying on her back with her legs in the air Are you sure so, there wasn't a mention of pole doesn't sound like i mean pole people but i i, mean, I, I would prefer to say there were pole poses <laughs> <laughs> um a question that I, that I like to ask people just for my own curiosity is if you had a superpower, what would it be? Ooh, no, if I was standing uh, with me competing in the Miss World competition, I would have to say to have world peace and, <laughs> you know, cure all hunger, not have, you know, homelessness and all that, so, but I'm not in the world, uh, world competition. But um, I do my own wee bit, you know, own wee bit of. Yeah, you do a lot, like you. And creating peace and all the rest of it. So I think if we all do that collectively, it'll be a much better world that we live in. But my superpower, I always kind of have a reoccurring dream that I'm flying. So and I feel amazing in the, in the dream, and I never ever want to wake up. So I'd love to fly, but I think telepathy with animals. Cool. That would have to be my part. So I, then, you know, have conversations. I know what my dogs are saying to me and my cats. And I love animals. I love animals. I far on have them over children and babies and rats, which is why I don't have any. Um, and <laughs> 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 I'm happy with animals. So I could be the real, um, what's that What's that movie I'm thinking of? Dr. Doolittle? Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. You could ask your Dr. dog why it humps everything. Pardon? You could be asking your wee dog why it humps everything. Humps everything, yeah. <laughs> I can know the reasons of that, but anyway, I'm the dominator. <laughs> <laughs> looking looking <laughs> over your own bum as you said it. 
head. Look, you were looking over your own bum as you said. <laughs> Uh, El, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, wrap it up there. To, eh? What would well, yours be? My superpower would be to uh, be able to unlock everyone's potential. So for you to be able to just go, now you, your potential is unlocked. You can do and be whatever you want to be. I think that would make. Again, I just want to surround myself with people that are awesome. So it's what I do. But if I could make everybody around me a bit more awesome, then life would be brilliant so that's but if you ask me tomorrow it could be i make it psyched out and be like i just want to be wolverine and like who knows they might want to be superman one you day talk to gold. you want to talk to goldfish <laughs> yeah well, i want to i want to know what's going on goldfish do you really only remember 15 seconds that's all i want to know um yeah. i'm gonna leave it there i i just i love this chat and i don't want to keep you too long um where would everyone find you? Where's the best place for people to reach out to you and, and connect with you? Um, well, we have the Polarside website, which is polarsideni.com. I'm also on social media. So the um, Facebook page is L Polarside. My Instagram page is just L. And the Polarside uh, Instagram page is polarsideni as well. So there's lots of social media platforms there. I only really use Facebook and Insta. I'm not going to get on to Twitter. I've never really caught on to that on Twitter crack. But yeah, I that's see. where you can find me. Or just Google Ale Fagan and you'll come across me somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll put all the links below anyway so people can just um, yeah. connect straight up to you. But uh, once again, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. I'll see welcome. you soon. Yes, we'll be up to Jam. We're jamming at the end of the month. Yeah, I'll be there. Keep an eye on my Instagram story to see how amazing I am at Paul. <laughs> uh, for everyone listening, thank you very much, and I will speak to you all again soon.